Just what is it that you want to do? Well, we want to be free. We want to be free to, to do what we want to do. And we want to get loaded. And we want to have a good time. And that's what we're going to do. Well, wait, baby, let's go. We're going to have a good time. We're going to have a party. of Yes Cast. This week we are joined by Gavin Lundy, Rory Steele and me, Rhiannon Spear. Right, Rory, Gav, general election. What's going on? No much. No much? No, there's no much in a story. There's no much actually happening, no passion, no excitement. Have you seen the leaders' debates? Yeah, I, I think, well, the best analysis I've seen about it was that, you know, no one actually came out of it looking bad. There was no like, yeah. big blunders, really. Everyone was, um, was you know, quite competent. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, there wasn't any much, much about it but I think the part of the reason for that was because there were so many of them there were yeah. so many of them on the on the on the panel that it was basically impossible for people to actually get um you know an in-depth discussion about certain issues and start you know looking at the nitty-gritty of things so all that was really was just sound bites and you know fluff in general follow to that I'd be quite interested in seeing the actual kind of statistics on who's actually watching these because mm. I doubt it's going to really change any minds yeah. anyway I don't you know debates ever really do that do you think yeah, I, I think, to be honest, where we are right now is that we've saw so many debates that they've lost their, their novelty, novelty, they've lost their effect. And I really doubt that any, you know, especially with that amount of candidates up there, you know, I just don't think that's effective. Yeah, I think, though, that it depends, though. I think because if you look at the polls, like, in England anyway, you know, Labour are making increases against the Tories in England. So... I, normally, in your normal election, people would have made their mind up a week before... Mm-hmm. you know, actually going to vote. Very few people make their mind up in the last week, I would say. Um, so, But I think because it's been a snap election that a lot of people are actually watching closely and are still making up their minds. Mm. Um, and I think it's... It, in, in England, anyway, it's going it's going Jeremy Corbyn's way. Well, you're obviously talking about the polls that have just come out kind of yesterday and today, yeah. the YouGov polls, which, have, which are phenomenal. You're seeing Labour take you know, take Tory seats and, mm. and make gains where Tories are, are maybe going to lose some. And just, just for the listeners, the last, the last YouGov poll that Rihanna's referring to has the Tories on 42% and Labour on 39 yeah. And, you know, you're talking, mm. they were up, the, the Tories had <coughs> upwards of a 20% lead, you know, a month ago. Which is madness, and given the fact that it was May that called this. Yeah. I mean, so you don't think, Gav, you've just said that you don't think that the um, the leaders' debates are having much impact. Now, what is? Because something's obviously happening. Yeah. Um, for me, my opinion, I would say that, you know, I wouldn't put it down to Labour's success. I'd put it down to the absolute shambles Absolutely. of the Tory party at the moment. It's almost like the Tories are actually trying to lose this. Yeah. They're going for foxes, they're going for elephants, <laughs> they're going for old people, they're going for students. And, you know, everyone is recoiling from that from that absolute evil Tory policy making. Yeah. You know, I think, though, we need to bear in mind that we are from a very particular group of people within mm-hmm. society. And, you know, when we hear about fox hunting, that just repulses us. But 
for a lot of people, you know, whether or not it's history. Yeah, whether or not people do it is actually very far down in their in their list of priorities. People are caring about things like um, you know their income. That's always the big one. People are caring about the economy, and I think that's what people tend to vote for. Things like um, you know fox hunting. For most people, like you're hearing a lot of people saying, yeah. "Yeah, you know, I think it's really horrible. I think it's terrible. I'm still going to vote for it." <laughs> it's like, well, right. what, what does it take? To that's actually... an, it's interesting you brought that up because if you watched the the BBC debate last night with Amber Rudd, yeah, you know, she kept saying the, the same things that Tories always say about you know bringing the national debt down and all that, right? But no one in the, especially in the mainstream media, seems to be actually challenging the Tories on the record of actually making the debt higher than it's ever been. What is it? In, one in trillion. To one point seven trillion. One point seven trillion. So they're even incompetent on the, their their whole flagship policy, which is the economy. Yeah, because yeah. That, that's because cuts objectively don't work. I saw an interesting thing someone said where, um, where basically, and I, I agree with this wholeheartedly, is that you know if someone was to go out and deny uh, and deny climate change, you'd call them anti-science and anti-rational. Yet there's no there's no uh, conce- there is a consensus that these cuts aren't working. All <coughs> the evidence we have are, that shows us that these cuts don't work. They don't actually they don't actually cut the debt down, yeah. and they don't you know it's it's leaving the UK in such a bad fiscal state for what seems like kind of blind party politics yeah. because the Tories can't just admit we got it wrong the first time yeah. around. Well it's just based on ideology isn't it? I think that's what we're yeah. seeing with the most of the Tory policies. It's it's policies based on ideology rather than uh, cold hard facts and figures. If if we were to trust Tories on, on their policy like you've said with, with the with the de- with the deficit or with um with the debt um, if you were to trust the policies with the debt, then you know we wouldn't be electing them again. That's one of the big things that they've they've dri- driven forward for the last few years is uh, austerity, and it's just not it's not working. Yeah. And where's the mainstream media holding them to account on? That? I think a reason, part of the reason why the Tories do so well with that is because they see the analogies they always use as you know they they use it to like a household analogy yeah. to you know and sometimes people like to talk about paints, yeah, you know, and they they try and they they say this as if the fact that as if to say that. You know the national economy works exactly the same way as any household or any one person's person's choices works, and that's obviously totally ridiculous. Because when you start cutting, <coughs> cutting, you start actually cutting investment yeah. and spending in that economy, and and so that's well, Paul Nottall did it last night as well. He did, well, I, they did it during did. The, ref- the independence referendum where they referred to it as a divorce. You know, and no one actually thinks yeah. of a divorce being a good thing. Well, you might do if you're one of the people getting divorced, but <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's 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 trying to put it in. You know, it's trying to put it in language that makes it sound a lot less harsh than what what it actually is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not put it in realistic terms. And when people talk about like um, they talk about economic indicators, things like GDP, mm-hmm. like well, you might have a huge GDP, but it, what matters is how that money is being distributed mm-hmm. amongst the population. And right now, it's a very I can't believe still people still believe in trickle down. <laughs> economics that will give all the rich Still all waiting. The, yeah, Still we'll, waiting. We'll give all the, the rich all of the money and then they'll give it back to us eventually. Like just why don't we just keep a hold of it? Yeah, yeah. I think part of that plays into a lot, what I think a lot of people in, you know, middle England and stuff have of like they have the part of this country they can see that is declining over time in its position mm. in the world. And that is a cause of I think an underlying anxiety, especially in English culture. Mm. And when you and when you allude to the kind of things we're talking about, you know that you know we're just gonna we're gonna be strong and stable. We're gonna make sure we don't we don't spend too much and ruin ourselves and stuff. Then you know that's tapping into that a wee bit because you know they you know especially when Paul Nuttall was talking about last night when he was saying that you know when you start putting up corporation tax people will flee. People are probably quite anxious that they want to be part of this modern world. 
So he that's basically just a blind attempt to, to tap into that, that anxiety that people have mm-hmm. about where their country is going. Um, and I think it's quite cynical as well. So yeah, I think people are quite right to be anxious about the kind of future that the UK is going to be in. What do we think? Uh, what do we think is going to happen? What, how do we think the Labour and Tory visions contrast in building this future? Well, I think it's quite important actually that you're what you're saying about Labour and Tory because one of the things that I was uh, reading about today was the fact that the, the middle ground has completely fell away from from British politics in general. Whereas in Scotland, you know, it used to be very well. It was used to be the case across the UK that how you voted was based on your class, and uh, now in Scotland, it's very much become about where you stand on the issue of the constitution. Whereas mm-hmm. in England, you're now beginning to see it as well whether it was about the constitution, but in relation to the EU. Yeah. And now there seems to be even a greater polarization between the vision that the Tories are. Uh, putting forward and the vision that Labour are putting forward, and I really thought the Lib Dems were going to make a huge, a huge comeback, but um, it just seems to be that they've just kind of, yeah, f- fell even further. I feel like the Lib Dems have just become this kind of caricature of a party. Tim Farron, every time he comes on, I'm just like, what do you stand for? I'm, yeah. I find it hard to know. And when you're talking about what's their vision for, um, for the UK, what kind of country will we be? I don't really know what the Tories stand for at the moment. Like, genuinely. And, and I'm someone who's very politically engaged. They've changed their minds on so many things. And I don't know, I think there's a lot of misinformation and just... I don't know, they're not very good at getting their message across at all. And it's... If, if you ask me what Tory policy is right now, I'm saying strong and stable exit from Brexit. That's, that is genuinely... No to a second and no, referendum. And, and now is not the time for another uh, Scottish independence referendum. But really, more than that, and like fox hunting, I'm kind of struggling. I, I mean, as far as I can see, the only thing that they're actually saying is that they're relying, like we said, they're relying on this record for being strong and stable and great manager mm-hmm. of the economy but even on that they've failed but then look at who your spokespeople are you had George Osborne as Chancellor who yeah. everyone now just is an apps it's, it's a laughing stock in the political community you have Boris Johnson as your um, f- foreign affairs it's, it's like it's, it's laughable it's, it's, it's not even strong and stable it's, it's a joke and I don't know if they know that. I like, think, do you think they know yeah, that? I think they do know that, and I think it's part of the reason why Theresa May has been sort of missing from a lot of yeah. a lot of media events because they know that she's she's not the most competent of of politicians, and that's why mm-hmm. she's she's hidden away. But what I think is what you're saying, like, despite the fact that they're laughable, despite the fact they're missing targets on their key policies, people are still voting for them. Yeah, and I think. I, you know, I've tried to figure out, well, why are people still voting for him? You're always going to get people who are just set in their ways, I always vote this way, I always vote that. You know, my dad, he was voted Labour, sort of mm-hmm. mentality. And I think, you know, part of the reason, and I think it's a major reason, is that the effect that the media has had oh. on the Labour Party and Jeremy Corbyn and, and their image within within the public. But I also do think, on 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 that... Like I said before about how um, we've seen Labour, you know, see gains over the last few days because of just how bad the Tories are doing. Up until the up until the point where the snap election was called, we've seen the Tories do well. I think because of the lack of um, opposition, and that's just I wouldn't say I wouldn't blame Jeremy Corbyn for that because I do actually think he's a good 
um, a good leader of the Labour Party if it was allowed to be a leader of the Labour Party but for so long there was just internal dispute after internal dispute yeah. leadership race after leadership race you can't have a stable political party when there's constant challenges to that leadership because you don't know who who to who to back you don't know you don't know what policy is going to come out at the end of it you know it's mm-hmm. you can't you can't be an op- a, a good opposition in government when when you've not even made mind up about fundamentals of your party of what you stand for yeah. So just as um, we, we've seen Labour do well recently because of just how bad the Tories have been up until this point, I feel like it's Labour that's really been letting letting the side down. But what I think is really funny, though, is that the, the Blairite wing of the Labour Party opposed Jeremy Corbyn mm-hmm. because they said, you know, his policies are mad, nobody's going to vote for them. But then, you know, it actually turns out, what was it? I can't remember the reporter, but they asked him a question at a, a Huston saying... Um, a lot of people really like your policies, they just don't like you. So it's actually the fact that his policies are actually extremely popular. Yeah. He's making gains from what the polls say in England. And so it just seems to be that everything that was said about him is completely untrue. And and I think what it falls down to is that the Blairite wing of the Labour Party just didn't want him. And it was essentially just their own, you know, ego that was that was trying to kick him out. Yeah, they, prob- they probably like they probably likely just did fear losing control of their party. Yeah. Um, which is you know an unhealthy position to be taken. Parties aren't supposed to be controlled. Um, but like on that, like, what do we think Labour's chances are? Like, what do we do? You think they're gonna do well? I mean, the Tories still have quite a thin majority. I think the best we can hope for in the overall outcome is uh, a Tory minority. Mm-hmm. But they'll be the largest party, but they'll be a minority. I think. The way that the polls are looking, that's the realistically the best thing yeah. that can happen. Yeah, you're probably right with that. I mean, as uh, the other thing we need to ke- take into consideration, without going to stereotypical sound bites, is a week is a long time in politics, and these polls are there a week before, and we yeah. saw what happened in the independence referendum when there was a poll out. EU um, referendum. And the EU referendum, absolutely, the polls that come out the week before aren't necessarily good indicators of what happened. Yeah, so interesting enough, the polls are all over the place. Yeah. We, yeah. Like we keep talking about Yuga polls because they're overestimating Labour apparently. But when you look at all the different polls together, it's like they three are, points they are, to fifteen. Isn't yeah, it? they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Yeah. But what do we think about that as well? Because polling for the um, the Scottish government election, for the um, for the council elections just gone by, for the referendum before that, for the EU referendum, they were all over the place. Poll polling isn't, and, and we're seeing it internationally as well. Yeah. Trump polls and aren't, Clinton. Yeah, yeah, Trump and Clinton. Um, they're they're not gospel anymore. Poland's changed and people don't want to talk about politics anymore. What I think is what might happen in this election is what happened with Trump in that a lot of people are voting for people who are either on the far right or maybe on the far left Mm. because they're dissatisfied with sort of mainstream politics. And the reason why the the polls in America were saying Trump was going to lose and Clinton was going to win is because there's a lot of people who are dissatisfied who weren't engaged Mm-hmm. With you know the pollsters and weren't you know willing to talk about it, and viewed people from the media and pollsters as their sort of enemy, so wouldn't speak yeah, to them. That whole so that, that yeah, exactly. So Trump's you know vote share was way down, but when mm-hmm. they actually come to you know casting your vote, yeah. he won it. He didn't I, win the popular vote, but yeah, and I think that's another interesting thing. So the polls might have indicated that Hillary would win the popular vote, but actually Trump campaigned in states that were key states, yeah. won those states, and and that brought him the victory. And I think that's really important to bear in mind 
you know, transferring that over to here and, and the general election is this is a first past the post vote yeah. and it's very different from what we see in council, it's very different from what we see in the Scottish Parliament. This this is a completely different beast. This is first past the post, the person with the most votes wins. Like that's that's it. Yeah. Um and how, like Gav, you're good on this kind of thing. What, what do you think that's gonna how do you think that's gonna affect it? So obviously UK politics was developed, especially UK democratic politics, was developed on the adversarial principle. And, you know, when you have that, that, that only works in first-past-the-post, right? So, in a, in a meaningful way. And that, as a, it's a shame it does, but it totally skews British politics. It means that it's always going to be based on who is marginally the biggest party. It does not represent actual public opinion in any nuanced way. Um, which really, it's, it's a shame because the, the Tories... I mean, back in two thousand, was it? I think it was two thousand ten. They won with only thirty two percent of the mm. of the vote, um, and I'm pretty sure that's excluding don't knows. So that's you know that's that's a total, total disaster for a democratic system. We really obviously should have moved beyond this by now, um, but I think it shows. I think that goes some way to explain why British politics, or rather English and Welsh politics, is so immature because it's still based in the system. Whereas we are more, we are we are actually becoming more orientated towards. The Scottish Parliament and our pluralistic system, which means that our debates are actual debates, mm-hmm. uh, and that's a far healthier system for democracy. I think as well, if you look at um, where where the first past the post system comes from, um, that it, it was from like a simpler time where there was like just two competing ideologies, mm-hmm. and it was far simpler. You know, you're either on that side or you're on that side. But now you've got so many different issues. Doesn't work. It, that it's impossible to have a two-party system because you're just you're going to get people who are voting for the the lesser evil, like you see with Trump and Clinton. You know, a lot of people were saying, "Well, you know, I hate Trump. I would never vote for Trump." You know, but I'm not particularly enamoured by Hillary Clinton either. Um, so it's it's things are a lot more complicated now. But what's interesting though is Labour are opposed to proportional representation, mm-hmm. as are the Tories. Yeah. And the SNP are in favour of proportional representation, but if we had it in this election, the actual number of SNP seats would plummet in Scotland yeah. um, compared to um, what we'd actually get. Cause we're roughly sitting about, the polls are showing about 45 to 50%, yeah. I don't know, roughly. But I suppose that's because we're principled. You know, we're not yeah, just going to change it. Exactly. Labour, it's, I always find it hilarious. Like, Labour have this, you know, have this vague sense that because they view themselves as the rightful party of government, that they're eventually just going to win yeah. an election. And yeah, okay, they might, they could be in power for twenty years, but they're just going to lose, yeah. and it's going to all going to get undone. And this is a huge argument for uh, I don't know, we're obsessed with it. <laughs> Independence, because you're in a broken political system, with, which is a two-party system, where neither of the parties want to actually change it and then basically what Labour are saying is well, a lot of people who are supporting Corbyn saying well you know I really support Corbyn I really agree with his manifesto is well what you're saying is is that let's vote Corbyn and, and get him in the short term but in the long term we're always going to get Tory governments while we're in the UK yeah, yeah. I also think that the 2015 general election shone a bright light on that down in, down in England and they were like oh my goodness, where are these 56 uh, SNP MPs coming from? There's another party here. We became the third biggest party Mm. in the UK. I think that caused chaos for a lot of people down there. And then you see this other opposition. You see Angus Robertson get up week after week in the in the chamber them. and hammer them and, and well, you know. He he does it so well. So I, I think I think having the SNP down there has been a good thing, but like you said, Rory, we're not obsessed with it, but it's a broken system at the end of the day. And if we want to see 
radical change, then I think, you know, that, that's the option. But while we're here, maybe Jeremy could, could help. What, what do you think of a, a Labour SNP Green coalition? I mean, it would never be a coalition. It would be us supply kind of... Demand. Su- supply Yeah, supply and demand, just helping them out. Confidence On the things that we actually agree with. Yeah. I think it's more likely. I think from the looks of things, the Greens are only going to get maximum. Well, what the polls are saying mm. are saying maximum of two seats, yeah. whereas Plaid Cymru of about six. I think right now, before before the, the, the in the last election they got about yeah. six. So I think um what I think well the SNP is we can only win fifty nine maximum. Yeah. So if we want to have a heavy impact on government we need to work with other parties. And, you know, you've seen it already with um, SNP councils across Scotland mm-hmm. extending an olive branch to the Labour Party to form a coalition to keep the Tories out. Whereas in North Lanarkshire they did a backroom deal and the Tories voted in Labour because they're more obsessed with holding on to power. In Aberdeen they actually fo- formed Labour and the Tories formed an actual coalition and the councils got kicked out of the party. So it's whether or not... Uh, Jeremy Corbyn says he's not going to form uh, any sort of coalition or any sort of deal with the SNP. But he's a principled person. And if it comes down to it where if he needs SNP votes to get into number 10 and keep the Tories out, he'll do it. And, you know, I, I hope he does that. I really, I really really hope he would, because him saying that, you know, I wouldn't take a deal, it just immediately brought me back to Ed Miliband and how chaotic that yeah. was and how it just did not work for him. Um, I think that lost him a ton of votes in Scotland um, just because they were like, if you're not willing to work with the SNP, who will you work with? You know, they're one of the most progressive parties that you could get down there. Um, so I really hope, you know, if we were in a in a beautiful situation where we could keep the Tories out, I really hope Jeremy would consider it. I think it's, it's a matter of whether or not he actually will. I think he's too principled to not do it. I think he cares more about keeping the Tories out than, you know, saying, well, we're not going to go in and, and have a supply and demand with, with the SNP. I definitely think he would do it, and but again, what it boils down to is whether or not he wins it in in England, because he's not gonna he's not gonna win it up here. No. Yeah. Um. So it's it's basically we need to, it's the same it's the same as every other general election in the UK. We need to cross our fingers and hope the English vote a certain way because there's, I think there's only been two I think general elections in the past hundred years since World War where II, the yeah. Scottish vote has actually impacted on who the government will be. Yeah. So again, it's just about uh, crossing our fingers and, and hoping hope for that the best. hope for the best. What do you think about um, what role do you think young people have to play in this election? I think you know you've seen massive drives to get young people registered, mm. um, but then after after they're registered, you then that hard, have that hurdle of actually getting them out to vote. Yeah. And again, when you, you when we're in an election where things are so orientated around um, pensions, you know. Where do young people find their voice there? Do you think that the, the thought of leaving the EU, because I know that's a big driving force for young people who maybe want to work abroad or study abroad or just travel, um, that that might motivate them to get out and vote mm. for... But then get out and vote for who? Because yeah. Corbyn's been useless on the EU. Just on both of those points, I think the best way to explain the Labour surge in the last few weeks isn't because people have been going back to Labour from the Tories. I think it's young people becoming registered. Um, that probably helps to explain some of that. Mm. Um, but the second point, I think, um, and as we saw on the TV debate last night, uh, Jeremy Corbyn has been incoherent on the EU. It does, it doesn't know what it wants. It was, it was actually contra- it was contradicting himself in circles about the single market. Um, it doesn't seem to understand quite how it works, quite how you need to pay, etc. Um, so on that point, like who do young who do young Europhiles what who actually who do they actually have to vote for because. 
you know, yeah, the Lib Dems are honest about the fact, yeah, they want to stay in the EU, but the you know they're, and they're totally uninspired on it on absolutely everything else. Mm-hmm. So really, at least in and Scotland, you have a choice. Tuition fees as well, which is completely kind of lost the vote of the young or, people. Yeah. yeah, exactly, especially young people, exactly. So you know that's just that. I mean, that's just such a frustrating situation to be in if you're a young pro-European English person, or in or in Wales or in Northern Ireland. Who do you vote for? Is it's, it's just does, does it's not clear where that option comes from. At least we have that in Scotland, and that's something quite, I'm quite grateful for. At least, mm-hmm. I think the difference is though is that in Scotland we have a an option. You know, if you actually look at the English vote, England voted to leave. You know, so from a democratic point of view, that does have to be respected. But also, do do right. So, absolutely, you need to do, respect a democratic vote. But do you believe that what happened before that vote was a proper discussion? Like, if you compare that the discussion that was had before the EU to to what happened before the the Scottish independence referendum, it's an insult on intelligence. Yeah, it's an absolute insult on intelligence. But I think though that if you start if you start saying that, it opens up a can of worms. When when did yeah. at which point do you reach a criteria where an election or a referendum becomes illegitimate? Well. Actually, you're looking at a situation where where the vo- the electorate were lied to. This whole yeah, situation. Yeah, the electorate are lied to in every. No, <laughs> but on, on a mass scale, like we had buses that claimed that the NHS would be getting hundreds of millions pounds of worth of funding per week. Like it's just madness. They were they were lied to on on a massive scale. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think I think the if you look at, sorry Gav, if you look at actually how people voted though they didn't vote for the NHS. They voted the, the main issue was sovereignty. You know, a lot that's you know a big issue again was immigration. No, that that wasn't anything to do with what was actually plastered along the side of that bus. What was on it was a lie. It was a barefaced lie. But at the same time, I do also see the point of a lot of people who voted to leave, who are saying, you know, you can't think I'm stupid for think for voting this way. People, some people just genuinely wanted it. I totally understand. Yeah, it does open a can of worms. So. Yeah, I would. I would just be very interested to see if we were to have it again today. Well, what Rihanna would say is quite interesting though, because like I don't think no one's really proposing that we should have a UK wide vote to you know to do rerun of the EU referendum. No. But I think what people are raising objections to, and we uh, is you know those lies and the fact and the conduct of it. Uh, but but more in more in in, a, in particular is like what kind of relationship we're actually going to have with the EU, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's why it, it, is, it might be a good option to actually have a referendum on the deal we actually get. Yeah, I think and that's that, what's important. I think that's good. I, somebody made a really good point on Twitter, actually, um, that it was just after the referendum saying that if Remain had won by 51% to 49, would that mean a, a hard Remain would adopt Aye. the Euro, would, you know, would win <laughs> this? And, you know, and I was like, that's actually a really good point. It was a very narrow victory for Leave. So you know, I don't really think that that justifies the the hard uh, Brexit that the Tories are talking about. I suppose the best thing about this topic though is that you, we will be independent in a few years and be in the EU, and we don't really have to worry about any of this. <laughs> this, this, I mean, this discussion is based in a solidarity with how you know the opportunities for English people, especially young people. Um, so, like, it's just been a total disaster for UK politics. It's it's just a time of instability and turbulence. It seems to be the case that like like the sort of Western dominance in global politics is on the decline, and this is just part of it that it's it's reaching such a point where anything goes. I think for the for the Tory Party certainly that was a massive part of it trying to reinstate I mean, itself as as, yeah. as a as a as a place in the world. I just think it was it was dealing with exactly that. I think this comes into what I was saying earlier about the kind of anxiety that people feel. Yeah. About the fact, especially older generations who you know who remember vividly Britain being 
you know, one of the major the global nation, powers, you yeah. know. For a while in the early Cold War, it was considered a superpower. Yeah. You know, and arguably, it rightfully could be considered that at the time. So when you see your country go and become basically irrelevant, you know, and fall behind, especially fall behind, especially Germany, as as the yeah. European as the sole European power, then you know, you, I think that's fair that you do feel anxiety about that. That's that's a fair thing to feel. Um, yeah, you always hear that that line. You're like, oh. You'd wonder who won the war and things like that, and it's like that's not really how that's not how economies and no. politics played <laughs> yeah. out. Like, but also for for in in terms of diplomacy, you need to move on, yeah. and and the world has changed dramatically. And I think it comes back to the conversation we had before about what kind of country do we want to be? We are this small island up in the the northwest of of Europe. We we are that small island. We have incredible potential. We have an incredible history behind us. We can do amazing things, but we're never going to be that superpower again. And I think that's kind of a hard pill to swallow. Yeah. For yeah. Interestingly, if you're talking about international relations and what was the right kind of strategy to play in the Cold War and up to now game of Europe. Like, Germany has play, played the blinder. That's exactly what the UK should have tried to done. It should have tried to lead Europe and be... Soft power. Yeah, but not, yeah, not even just that, but, you know, hard economic power and being the main leader of Europe, which is what Germany is. Like, that's why you see so many people commentators saying that Angela Merkel is the de facto leader of the free world because mm-hmm. she is the de facto leader of the European Union, which, mm-hmm. is the major, which is the most populated Western kind of market or area. Mm-hmm. So... When you're talking about a decline of Western power, you, you you can if anyone was going to fill that in, it's 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 people like that. I mean, Angela Merkel played a blinder um, in the last few years, you know, and Germany as a whole has played a blinder on position itself for the future. Whereas Britain has just had this kind of irrational fear of modernity, which yeah. has just become stronger and stronger well, and stronger, and it culminated in yeah, Brexit. It's through the right wing. It's like uh, Trump make America great again, like yeah. we were. You know, yeah. and saying like, well, let's go back to the good old days mm-hmm. and yeah. things. It's it's a, a a yearning for sort of what was what was when actual fact what was wasn't particularly good either. Yeah. Like, you know, things have progressed a lot. Things have improved a lot. And I think what you're saying is about that underlying anxiety about people is that people feel let down by mainstream sort of neoliberal politics, which is true. Hell which yeah. is why you're getting people polarized, going to the far right and going to the left and. People are upset with the, the the cards they're being dealt at this moment in time, yeah. and you know I completely I completely agree with them. Okay, so predictions: who will be the next PM as of next week? Well, it's going to be Theresa May, I think. I think it's going to be Theresa May. However, I think Jeremy Corbyn, if he does get enough to be backed up by maybe the SNP, maybe Plaid Cymru as well. To oh. You know, it's it's really wishful thinking. It's very unlikely. To I'd be interested to see if, think if the Lib Dems did get ten MPs. Do you think they would back Corbyn? I don't think. Oh, who knows, man? Like, I mean, <laughs> the, the, I, I the suppose. Like, I'm, I need to apologise. So. I, I would need to apologise because this is just an academic point, I suppose. But I find it really interesting because I don't think the Lib Dems would make the same mistake again. Like, I, I think they would rather. I mean, I I, I don't know. I, I, think, I, think, yeah, I, I think, think the so. mistake they made was going into. Uh, the mistake they made wasn't going into bed. It was going into bed for the wrong party yeah that yeah that, that's what I'm saying I'm saying yeah. I think that like the, I don't think I couldn't see them supporting the Tories again I, but I couldn't then again but I don't know rule could... it out uh, Tim Farron I think recently said yeah. that he wouldn't rule out uh, well I saw a headline I should you know uh, co- I should call me a big disclaimer <laughs> I saw a headline <laughs> that said um, Tim Farron would do a deal with the Tories if it came down to it and I think what it is is because um, they, they are a small party and they, they do need to work with other people but unlike the SNP um, they'll work with anyone we want. 
yeah, so that's the perfect place to end that. Um, so just a wee reminder that YesCast is hosted by members of the YSI, the Young Scots for Independence. This week, this episode uh, has been brought to you by Gavin Lundy, Rory Steele and me, Rhiannon Spear, and produced and edited by Gavin Lundy. Um, after the general election, there is so much going on to get involved with. Um, please do get involved with the YSI. We've got a, a national workshop coming up, which is going to be fantastic. Rory, do you want to say a little bit more about that? Yeah, we've got the very first uh, YSI national workshop, which is going to be in the first week of July in Edinburgh. And we're going to have, it's basically getting people prepared for campaigning and also general involvement in politics. So we've got workshops on speaker training, uh, policy formulation, uh, media management, that sort of thing. Uh, we're also going to have a, a guest speaker, uh, Tommy Shepherd, is coming Ooh. along. Um, diary dependent, so <laughs> we need to wait to see what happens first. Um, so aye, it's going to be a really good day, uh, lots of learning and a good way to meet new people as well. You know, we're quite an inclusive, inclusive group and uh, like to meet new people and get people involved. So definitely come along, but until then, get out, campaign for your local candidate, especially on polling day turnout, it's going to be massively important for this election. But if you ever want any more information, you can find us on Facebook at Young Scots for Independence or Twitter at SMP Youth.